Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today, we are studying Revelation chapter 5, and we're calling this chapter Kingdom Wars. In chapter 5, we're introduced to Jesus the Messiah, given a special scroll upon which are seven seals. And this special scene is that Jesus as the kingly Messiah is about to unfold this scroll and events on earth will be dramatically affected. But the most important thing you have to grasp, at least for those living, I would say basically everyone living in the modern world, since we've really lost the concept of kingship, is to visualize for a moment this scene in heaven where St. John says, starting in verse 11, I looked and I heard around the throne. In other words, there's a theocentric vision that should be our vision. That's the reason we're given this vision. And the living creatures and the voices of many angels, thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. The scroll is in the hand of a king. And to really understand what's going on with this scroll being unveiled, it's absolutely critical that we keep in mind that it's being unveiled by one who's seated on a throne. And so Revelation 5, I would say, is a throne-centered vision of the king of heaven and earth about to execute a shocking royal decree. That's what the scroll is. It's a royal decree. Now, it's difficult, maybe impossible, but I'm going to try. It's difficult for Americans to comprehend what we are seeing in Revelation chapter 5. We don't have any known experience of kingship except maybe watching a British royal wedding every now and then. But to really learn about something, to know something, it's necessary to begin with a known concept and then proceed to build a new knowledge upon that foundation. So this might be a really futile attempt, but let's start with Star Wars. Now, I realize Star Wars is deeply flawed by its monism. That that is, and everything is one philosophy, and there are two equal sides of a single force. Whereas in the book of Revelation, there are two sides, but they have vastly unequal power. But I want you to get from Star Wars and try to apply it back because in most people's minds, that's as close as you're going to get to a kingdom conflict on a galactic level, okay? The the galaxy-wide conflict in Star Wars 
can be visualized through the entire book of Revelation and through the entire New Testament. And I dare say that so many theologians, preachers, and teachers of all stripes and backgrounds are missing this. If you want to comprehend the kingship of Christ and Star Wars, that this is just a little puddle jump to try to get in our minds something so vast, so primary, so powerful, and so shocking, I dare say there's two resources that I would recommend to you. The first is not by a Catholic, by an Anglican, if you can read an Anglican book, by Dr. N.T. Wright. It's a book called How God Became King. And then there's a papal encyclical, perhaps the most forgotten of papal encyclicals of the 20th century. It's entitled Quas Primus, Q-U-A-S, P-R-I-M-A-S, or an English title, On the Kingship of Christ, and it's readily available for free at EWTN. So, to understand a little bit now of the conflict of kingdoms, the Star Wars, but not Star Wars, it's actually Kingdom Wars, let's go to Luke 2. And I say, what in the world does Luke 2 have to do with Revelation 5? Stay with me. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled, in other words, put on tax rolls. This was one of the most comprehensive decrees regarding a census to put an empire under the taxing rolls of Rome, under Caesar. This was a decree coming from Caesar Augustus. Dr. N.T. Wright, whose book I just mentioned, How God Became King, says this in his commentary on Luke. The four Gospels are telling the story of how God became king. If you asked 100, no, if you asked 1,000 Catholic high school students, oh no, let's take it up. If you asked 1,000 graduates of Catholic colleges, what story are the four gospels telling? Let's take it up a notch. If you asked 100 or 1,000 graduates of Catholic seminaries, what are the four gospels saying? Would they say, that they're telling the story of how God became king. This has become, and it's due to some really drastic changes in the Western world over the past few centuries, it's become an alien concept, the idea that God becoming king is a primary message of the entire New Testament, of the Gospels of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is talking about the spreading of the king's kingdom. It's what St. Paul was talking about. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that doesn't mean he's my personal boss. Lord means he's king of the world, like Caesar claimed to be, except he's the real one. And that's what the entire book of Revelation is talking about, and that's what Revelation 5 is talking about. But let me go further with Dr. N.T. Wright, Augustus turned the great Roman Republic into an empire with himself at the head. 
he proclaimed that he had brought justice and peace to the whole world. And declaring his dead adoptive father to be divine, he styled himself as the Son of God. Sound familiar? Augustus was declared the Savior of the world. Does that sound familiar? He was its king, therefore its Lord. That does sound familiar. Increasingly, people worshiped him as God. In other words, Caesar was the perfect demonic counterfeit to Jesus as king. Now, Dr. N.T. Wright summarizes the point St. Luke is making. Here, Jesus is born uh, of the most humble circumstances imaginable. And on the other hand, you had one of the most powerful royal decrees made in history to that point. And I'm going to read what he says twice because you really need to get this. Quote, But the point Luke is making is clear. The birth of this little boy is the beginning of a confrontation between the kingdom of God in all its apparent weakness, insignificance, and vulnerability, and the kingdoms of this world. I'm going to do it again because you're not hearing this in Christmas sermons, Christmas carols, Christmas cards. Uh, What's going on here? What's the point of all this very humble beginning with a decree of a man who claims he's the Son of God? The point Luke is making is that the birth of this little boy is the beginning of a confrontation between the kingdom of God in all its apparent weakness, insignificance, and vulnerability and the kingdoms of the world. Now, I've studied the book of Revelation for about four decades, and here is my one-sentence summary, and basically I'm changing one word from Dr. Wright's summary of the Gospel of Luke. Remember, I've just said a moment ago, this is the message of the New Testament, the Gospels, Acts, the Epistles, and Revelation. This is what's going on. And here's my summary of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is an unveiling of the conclusion of the confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the world. You see the Gospels, it's the beginning of the confrontation. The book of Revelation is the conclusion of the confrontation between the kingdom of God under King Jesus, the Messiah, that's who he is, the Jewish king who would rule the world, and the kingdoms of this world. Kingdoms of this world, in the original context of the book of Revelation, is of course the Roman Empire, but it doesn't end there because we read there will be an end time kingdom of the Antichrist, and the book of Revelation is describing the conclusion of the confrontation. And so what we have in Revelation chapter 5 is that the conclusion is about to begin. The book, the scroll, is about to be unveiled, and when it does, what's in that scroll is the context of the next few chapters of the book of Revelation. Chapter 6, 7, beginning of chapters 8. Jesus, the Messiah, the true king of the world, is about to exercise his will 
over the rebellious kingdoms of this world. It says in Psalm 2, the nations conspire against the Messiah. They want to they burst their bonds asunder. And yeah, let's make our own laws. Let's become our own authority. Let's establish our own rule, the will of the people versus the will of God. And the decree of the Lord says, uh, you will break the nations with a rod of iron. Hmm. Revelation chapter 12, verse 5 says, she, Mary, brought forth a male child who is the rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Revelation 19, verse 15 says, from his mouth issues a sharp sword to spite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Back to Revelation 5. We went from Psalm 2 to the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 19. Now back to 5. Revelation 5 contains a sealed scroll that announces a formal royal decree one million times more powerful than Caesar's in Luke 2.1. And the message in that decree is that the Messiah's rod of iron is about to hammer the kingdoms of this world. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 79 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.